Hello everyone, my name is Dr. Virgil Armstrong and welcome to another episode of Lifestyle Matters. And once again, we've got the good Dr. Savina with us. Hello, Savina. Hi, Virgil. How are you? I'm well. So today we're going to discuss the Mediterranean diet. And there, there, I have three basic questions that I hope we are going to provide answers for. Firstly, why is it called the Mediterranean diet? Secondly, what's in the Mediterranean diet? And thirdly, why bother with the Mediterranean diet? So firstly, why is it called the Mediterranean diet, Savina? Well, I guess firstly, it's called the Mediterranean diet because um, it's a diet that Mediterranean people tend to consume. The idea of Mediterranean diet is very different from what we actually know these days. If you look back into what Mediterranean diet used to be, it used to be predominantly eating whole plant-based food foods, eating lots of nuts and legumes and seeds and having a lot of olive oil in their diet um, and very little saturated fats in their diets and very little eggs and um, sugary foods in their diet. Mm. But these days, when I think about a Mediterranean diet, I think about, you know, having, you know, lots of um, um, halloumi, for example, cheese, a whole lot of cheese, because that's what you eat when you go out and have a Mediterranean cuisine. Um, and just baklava. I love baklava. I'm, pre I'm pretty sure baklava isn't in the Mediterranean diet. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, and everything that they ate, so they would have, like, I was reading in a, this thing about, you know, what they used to eat. Like, they'd have a small serve of halloumi, but they'd have a huge side of salad to go with that, um, with lots of olive oil. Yeah. And that was what Mediterranean yeah. diet is. It's just taken a bit of a skew these days. Yeah. So, yeah. so basically, it's the traditional diet that people who lived around the Mediterranean Sea would eat. Basically. And that's why we call it the Mediterranean diet. And I suppose we need to make the distinction between what is traditionally consumed and what is now identified as the Mediterranean diet and compare that and to make that a distinction from what holiday makers might eat when they're sunbathing around the Mediterranean, which is <laughs> vastly different. So how would you describe the actual Mediterranean diet, Virgil? Well, I think of, of what's in the Mediterranean diet on three tiers. Tier one is the kind of food products that you maximize. Tier two is the, are the food products that you have in moderation. And tier three are the food products that you minimize. So if we talk about the maximizing products first, so we have to maximize plants. So it's a plant-based whole food diet. So it's whole grains and lots of multicolored plant vegetables, legumes, etc., etc. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, is that it maximizes olive oil. And that then is a useful segue into the kind of the fat composition of the traditional Mediterranean diet. So we know that the saturated fat content of the Mediterranean diet is about less than 7%, 7 to 8%. We know that the total fat content is actually quite high. You know, it's, it's 35 to 45%. And we know that a lot of that, up to between 15 to 25% of it, is made up with olive oil. And so it's basically a MUFA, and for that matter, a, a PUFA rich diet with a minimal saturated fat content. And of course, MUFA is monounsaturated fatty acids, and PUFA is um, polyunsaturated fatty acids. And 
The final point to make about the fat content is actually it's got a very favorable, favorable omega-3 to omega-6 fat ratio. So if we're talking about the PUFAs, we know that as the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 approaches um, the ratio of 1 to 2, 1 to 3, that's the kind of the optimal health. Whereas, you know, in, in the traditional Western diet, the ratio can be 1 to up to tw 1 to 20. And we know that that's a very inflammatory diet. So to summarize, tier 1 maximizes plants, whole grains, and optimizes fat content. All right. Then we have the second tier of the Mediterranean diet where, where certain foods are consumed in moderation. And those, those foods are white meats such as poultry and fish and wine. So wine in moderation, alcohol in moderation. So the third tier is the tier that we think of that we have to minimize. And that's basically minimizing red meat, processed meat, and uh, full fat dairy. And there's a lot to say about the role of dairy, but I think the Mediterranean diet encourages very low fat dairy or fermented dairy rather than unfermented high fat dairy. So those are the three tiers of the Mediterranean diet. So, I mean, Savina, we, there's a lot said about the benefits of the Mediterranean diet, but you know, take us back to the original studies that identified that this is a possible therapeutic intervention. Yeah, so I guess it comes back, there are a lot of studies that actually um, have looked at Mediterranean diet and its benefits, um, but I'll just take you back to the historical study, which was the famous seven country study, which a guy called Ansel Keys carried out a study across seven different countries, ranging from the States um, to Greece to Japan. And it was the basically looking at how we, the impact of having a good diet and lifestyle um, has its impact on our risk factors for heart disease. Um, and the, 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 the message is really the same as what you've just described. Um, you know, high MUFAs and PUFAs in your diet, reduced sugar intake, um, re and also having, I guess, you know, the other things that they were looking at is also, you know, smoking and diabetes and all that were obviously risk factors for heart disease, but that's by, by the side. Um, so that was one study that was starting to look at Mediterranean diet and its benefits, but there's been so many other studies, um, and did you want to take us through any of that, Fogel, before we talk about yeah, the benefits? Yeah, so, I mean, the, I mean, for me, the, 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 the two main studies that I use to actually sell the benefits of the, of the Mediterranean diet are the PREDIMED study and the Lyon heart study. And these were really focused on the risk of heart disease. So we know from PREDIMED that the Mediterranean diet actually reduces the incidence of cardiovascular events and people who are high risk of cardiovascular events. So it was really the, the, the main study that I used to defend the Mediterranean diet and its role in primary prevention. And then we look at the, uh, the Lyon heart study, which basically found that over four years, adherence to a Mediterranean diet actually was effective in secondary prevention. So after you've had your first heart attack, if you then went on to start eating the Mediterranean diet, then you reduce your risks of progression of coronary artery disease and second, third, or, or subsequent ischemic events. So there are other benefits, of course. It's not just limited to the, 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 role, the protective role in heart disease. What other benefits would you think that we can ascribe to the MD diet? Yeah, so there have been other little studies that have been looking at the other benefits, such as um, your brain health, so it 
can reduce the risk of developing Alzheimer's, dementia, possibly related to, oh, and breast cancer was the other thing, cancer reduction. And these are, there is a lot of evidence pointing to actually these diets having a high amount of olive oil consumption um, in their diet. So there was more than 15% of total energy intake was from olive oil, just as opposed to just nuts, which also provide your moofers and poofers. So, um, you know, it's not just about heart disease, cardiometabolic diseases. It can also prote potentially protect us from Alzheimer's and dementia and potentially some cancers, especially breast cancer, which they've done a bit of research on. So what I'm hearing is that actually it's the olive oil content in the Mediterranean diet that for some reason reduces the risk of breast cancer. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And they're, they're relating it to the yeah. possible polyphenols in the olive oil. But, you know, it's, it's research yeah. is ongoing as it is in medicine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. if we look at the Mediterranean diet and diabetes, what are your views on that? So the Mediterranean diet can reduce the risk of diabetes. That's, we know that, um, but I'm going to take it a, a point further because the um, Mediterranean diet advocates for um, smaller amounts of egg consumption, a lesser amount of egg consumption in our diet. Um, I don't know about you, but egg has always been a controversial thing um, that, you know, people discuss, you know, too much of eggs is bad, too little eggs is not good. Yeah. And what what is yeah. what really? Yeah, the egg controversy. Yeah, well, t t tell us what the <laughs> yeah, latest thinking is on yeah. the egg controversy. So I guess to summarize it, what they have found, and this is basically looking at some very large studies that they've done called the Nurse um, Health Initiative Study and the Health Professionals Follow-Up Study that they've done for years. Um, they've sort of collated data from these large trials that they've done before, finding evidence that essentially if we consume seven eggs a week, there is no increase of heart disease. And there was a large study that was published in the BMJ last year, um, looking at these groups specifically to see what is that amount that is actually okay. So more than seven, they say there is, sorry, less than seven eggs a week, there is no risk of increased heart disease. One to five eggs a week, there is no relationship. They don't find any relationship. And in fact, they looking at um, the Asian population compared to um, the European and um, the American population, there is some hypothesis that it might actually help reduce the heart disease. Um, mm. We're not sure why. Could it be because yeah. Asians may consume eggs differently compared to the Western diet? Um, you know, I grew up in Malaysia. I remember these old Chinese uncles who used to sit in the coffee shop with their black cup of coffee and having a raw egg on toast. You know, but in a Western diet, you have it in a scramble with nice cream and hollandaise sauce and fried eggs with yeah. bacon and things on the side. So, you know, we don't know. Yeah. Is it, is, you know, what is it about the eggs that's actually yeah. showing that there's an increased risk in the Western diet? Um, so that that's a very useful, you know, recap point, you know, because I've always had issues trying to come to terms with the role of milk in health and the role of eggs in health. So what we're saying is that low fat milk or fermented milk is okay. And what we're saying is less than one egg a day is okay. But once you get to more than one egg a day, that's when you start getting problems with an increased risk of cardiovascular disease. Is that, is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. And also be wary yeah. about how we prepare our eggs, I guess. Um, that's the yeah. other thing. Yeah. You know, if you're loading it up with you yeah. know, all the unhealthy stuff. But, you know, when you talk about dairy, 
um, and fermented dairy that you were referring to. I just wanted to add one little point there. Um, there was once again a study back in 2014 that actually lo uh, looked at potentially yogurt being anti-inflammatory as it can alter um, the gut microbiome um, because it's a probiotic. We know yogurt is probiotic. And also it's a very nutrition dense and um, loaded up with vitamin K. And there is some research going, they're still trying to understand how potentially yogurt can reduce the risk of diabetes. But obviously we're not talking about, you know, the nice flavored tasty yogurt. We're talking about yeah. <laughs> low fat, yeah. um, you know, Greek yogurt, <laughs> without any well, well greek yogurt's actually high fat but it's sorry but it's, it's not there are no additives to it it's not sugar laden you know yeah the thing about low fat yogurt is basically it's sugar laden so we're talking about natural yogurt greek yogurt you know which goes back to the mediterranean diet doesn't it you know it's, it's greek it's mediterranean and that's one of the traditional foods that the traditional mediterraneans including the greeks would have eaten yeah so it's like you know how we before a few episodes ago we said Carbs is not is not your enemy. Same thing with fats. Fats are yeah. not your enemy. It's just yeah. the which fat yeah. you choose is going to be your friend. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's what the Mediterranean diet is so, about. So thanks for clarifying that up. But if we can go back to the Mediterranean diet and its role in, in, in the progression from uh, metabolic syndrome to diabetes. I mean, we, we know that the Mediterranean diet reduces the risk of progression by up to 60%. And we know that once you've got diabetes, the Mediterranean diet, just eating that pattern of food can reduce your HbA1c by 0.5%. Now, that may not seem a lot, but, you know, most medi you know, a medication that we use to lower HbA1c, you know, has a, an efficacy of, of reducing HbA1c by 0.5 to 1%. So it's, you know, it's in that ballpark. And we also know that, that because it's such a high fiber diet, remember we're talking about a diet full of colored vegetables, full of vegetables and, and whole grains, that it also reduces uh, or, you know, inflammation in the gut, it increases satiety, it produces a lot of uh, short chain fatty acids in the gut, which have various downstream metabolic benefits. And it actually it allows us to uh, enjoy weight loss. So and it improves cholesterol absorption of, it, too. It improves, exactly. So all of the parameters associated with uh, metabolic syndrome are positively impacted by the Mediterranean diet. So, you know, including blood pressure. So it lowers blood pressure, lowers cholesterol, lowers weight, reduces glycemic uh, or, or improves glycemic control and reduces the risk of progression to diabetes. So, you know, we've, we've talked about how it's great for hearts. It's also great for wastes. It's great for diabetes control. You've said it's great for uh, brain uh, health. neurodegenerative disease, brain health. Now, let's just look a bit about cancer. You know, you, you've said there's good evidence for cancer, but are there any other cancers that uh, we feel that the Mediterranean diet is beneficial for? Um, so there is some evidence to show that it can also um, reduce uh, all-cause mortality for um, bowel cancer, gastric cancer, prostate cancer, head and neck cancer, and lung cancers. Um, there was no uh, no association that they could really see with having um, with esophageal cancers, ovarian, endometrial, or bladder cancers um, at this stage. Um, but the greatest evidence has been really for breast cancer at this point in time. Yeah. So the way I conceptualize, I conceptualize the cancer improvement of risk is that 
it, it may have benefits for men and women. So it may reduce the risk of prostate cancer in men and definitely it reduces the risk of breast cancer in women. And then the combined organs, everyone's got a colon, it reduces your risk of colon cancer. I mean, these are, the, these are the big, big cancers there's a lot of evidence for. And you can conceptualize that as well in terms of the amount of fiber that people eat within the Mediterranean diet, because we know that fiber is actually uh, good for bowels and reduces the risk of cancer because it, it, there's some kind of theory of, of, of uh, carcinogenic exposure. And so the more fiber that we eat, the lower our gut transit times are, so therefore we've got a reduced exposure time. Yeah, and the fact that red meat's also number two carcinogen in the world, why World Health Organization, isn't it? So we know that processed meat uh, is really, really bad and is a proven carcinogen, whereas red meat's a suspected carcinogen. Um, and of course, these are meats that are minimized by the Mediterranean diet. And you know, if we go, if we talk about fiber, we know that actually the role of fiber and the role of minimizing the risk of colon cancer was first discovered by Burkitt in the 50, in the nineteen fifties. He of the Burkitt lymphoma, he did a lot of studies of epidemiology and of cancer in, in in Africa. And and you know, in Africa, there's a lot of fiber that's consumed, and he surmised that because of that fiber, there was an increased transit time and a reduced risk of colonic cancer therefrom. It's interesting the things you find out when you're researching one thing and you find out something else, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, especially if you've got a if you've got a, a, a an inattentive mind like mine. So I, I think if we have to summarize the Mediterranean diet, I think we need to em emphasize that it has proven to reduce all cause mortality. It reduces the mortality associated with heart disease, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, and cancer, as we've mentioned, and also improves longevity and quality of life. I mean, how can you not, uh, you know, celebrate the benefits of the Mediterranean diet, Savina? I know. And it's actually not hard to follow. And you get to drink a little bit of wine with that. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the addiction medicine specialist in me has to speak out and say the current Australian guidelines for alcohol consumption are four standard drinks in any one day and no more than 10 standard drinks in the week. <laughs> But yeah, within those limits, go for it within the Mediterranean diet. <laughs> That's a good reminder for all, especially during <laughs> this pandemic. It's a yeah. timely reminder. So, Savina, thanks very much. And we'll speak again very soon. Great. See you next time.